Uh, today, I would like to continue on with our discussion that we have been going on in Acts. If you have your Bible, if you would turn to Acts, we'd like to have you do that. I want to pick up just on one little verse out of Acts 26. And that was, we've been talking about the processing of how Paul is getting to Rome and his journey there. And the writer of Acts, Luke, who also wrote the book of Luke, Luke shares almost a quarter of the book of Acts focusing on this journey time from Paul going to Rome. We'll talk about Rome next week. But on his way, he had went through many trials that took several amount of years. And so it's been an interesting journey for him. And we finished with the text last week that said, Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if not appealed to Caesar. He appealed to Caesar so they wouldn't kill him, if you remember, and to get a hearing before Caesar. Well, if you remember, Agrippa was the one who said, you've almost persuaded me to be a Christian. You've almost done that. Powerful testimony that he gave in his experience to Agrippa. All right, so now we're down to chapter 27. If you would look at chapter 27, actually begins the journey of our journey to Rome. And the way they would have to go there is by ship. Now, as they were traveling, as they were going, and as the story was written, Luke, Luke and Aristarchus also went with them. They were traveling with them, taking him, because Paul was an old man. And so out of the courtesy to Paul, because the centurion who was taking care of him, who was in charge of transporting him to Rome, this centurion and his men had empathy for him, and so they were kind to him and said, yes, you can have people come along to take care of you, make sure you're all right. So they were traveling and going. Now, the danger of which they were going, they were going in the winter. Winter was coming, and sailing was now dangerous. And if you can kind of transport yourself back to that time, back to that time in that era, they were not on these big metal ships that we have today. They were on these little wooden ships, that they were going and trying. And remember, they, they, they watched the stars and the sun to kind of navigate. And they also would stay fairly close to land because if you could see land, you knew you weren't going to fall off the end, off the flat plate they thought the earth was and then drop off to who knows where. So they try to keep going. So if you know the story about what takes place here, this is a story at a time when you read this particular passage in here that it almost gets you going and almost gets you started going, my land, this is an incredible experience. And as a child, I loved reading this story and going there because, well, you're still young, right? So, so just jump into the story as a child, would you? Just kind of get in and kind of as we go through it and say, yes. I love this story, make this trend. So what happened is they got going, winter was coming, and a tremendous storm came up. Now Paul had warned them about this. Paul had said in verse 10, he said, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bringing great loss to ship and cargo and to our lives also. So I warned them not to go. But what happened is the centurion and the others, they, and the sailors and everything, they talked together, they looked at the weather, they said, oh, there's a gentle wind, we're going to be fine, don't worry about it. So the majority ruled, and the ship set sail. And they went anyway. They made their trip anyway. 
Now, it's very difficult to get an accurate picture of the ship that, that he was on. Not the photography there wasn't advanced as it is today. But we'll suggest that here's a sailing ship uh, in the photo. So they decided to set sail. And on the way they were going to go, they were going to leave. And, and uh, Luke records, and when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete, an island going on their way. Verse 14, but before long, before long, a wind of hurricane force. I knew that that would click with a lot of you who live here in Florida. Been through hurricanes. I don't know how many you have been through. So far, I've been only through around one serious one, and that was Irma. We were up in uh, Minneapolis, and up there it was not hurricanes, it was tornadoes. And I remember one time, they'd warned us on television, there's a tornado in your area. Tornado, tornado. They showed us on the maps, as you know, you see that, and, the, and here it is, and we begin to look, and I, oh, my lands, that's in our neighborhood. So all the women were going, get into the middle of the house. That's what they're telling you. Get into the middle of the house, get in the safety, go to your basement, whatever you need to do to be safe. And I wanted to see it. So I went out, and we lived on a cul-de-sac of about 15, 20 homes. All the men were standing in the driveway. All the women were in the house. Because we had to see it. I've never seen the clouds shaped like that. I don't know if you've ever been around one a tornado. It is amazing to see. Well, this hurricane came, and it was called a northeaster. Well, we know about those, too, if you've lived up in Massachusetts area. I'm familiar with those. Well, it swept, it swept down from the island, and the ship was caught by the, by the storm and could not head into the wind, so they gave way to it and were driven along not knowing where they were going. So you can read verses 16 through 18, and as they tell this story, you can do that another time. As they tell the story, they're trying to t save the ship. They're trying to tie things down, trying to loosen things up. They're trying to get anchors. It went on and on as they're trying to save the ship. All the things that the sailors were doing to get it, and pretty soon they start dumping stuff over the side to lighten the ship because it had cargo on it as well. So in this storm, they're raging on and on about it. As you can read about there and back up in verse 19, it says, And on the third day, on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And here's Luke helping them toss the tackle over to lighten the ship, get rid of all the extra weight that they don't need to carry. Verse 20, When neither the sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up hope of being saved. All hope was gone. All hope was gone. I don't know if you've ever been on a boat like that in a storm. I was out on a ship one time, and the storm came up, but it was a mild one. You know, you roll a little bit and so forth, but it was fine. My dad tells me that during World War II, he was a physician, and he was assigned to hospital ships that went back and forth from France to the U.S., bringing uh, soldiers who were injured. And sometimes they get out in the storm, and he said you would feel those waves making those huge ships. And he said when, they, when the propeller they, uh, would get out, of the, uh, get out of the water, you hear that zzzz, 
it would spin and then crash back down. He says, oh, the waves crashing all over. And I said, did you get seasick? He said, never once. But a lot of people did. So here's this, here's this ship that is out, this wooden ship, that is out in the storm, and they lost all hope. It was all done for them. All right, a little bit, of, a little bit here for you. So after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you just should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves and this damage and loss. Isn't it human to do that? A little bit of, I told you so. I told you so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Boy, have I been told that. Yeah. I told you so. I told you it was going to happen. But immediately, Luke sees, after Paul gets out, he immediately pivots to something else. And notice as Paul begins to talk to these sailors and to these uh, soldiers and to the centurion and to everybody who is on the ship. And he said to them, but I urge you, I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel, he said, last night an angel of God uh, came to me and, and I, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood before me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Hmm. How would you uh, take that? I mean, you're throwing stuff over. You haven't eaten. He tells you to eat. He says nobody's going to be lost. You going to believe him? It looks like this is the end. And you're in a huge storm. And the ship is being destroyed as the waves are hitting. And you're in trouble. And you're going to go down. And here Paul, this old man, don't worry, have courage. Have courage. This ship will be destroyed. But all of you will live. Not one will be lost. Not one. Nevertheless, he continued, we must run aground on some island. Hmm. I think that's encouraging. So, so keep your courage, he said. When the storm comes around you and you feel like everything is lost here and the, and the ship is going to go down, Paul calls upon them, to be of courage. Putting trust in what the angel had shared from him, the angel of the Lord. Now, many of these people didn't believe in God or they believed in gods. But here is Paul speaking with authority. Certainly Luke would believe him, wouldn't he? Certainly the others that had traveled with him would believe. Perhaps there were others. The centurion took courage from that. And on the 14th night, the Bible says, on the 14th night, things were desperate. Can you imagine being in a hurricane storm for 14 days? I, I just, as I was reading this, I'm going, my word. My word. I mean, we, we weather some that go by here in a few days. We, 
think, oh, terrible. And they are. Poor Louisiana. Up there up in New Orleans. Boy, they've been hit twice really in short time. A lot of flooding, a lot of damage. But they tend to pass over, tend to go past. Well, there were 276 people on board that little boat. And just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. Just before dawn. Because you're going to need it. You're going to need it. Sure enough, the ship struck. And even though they were trying to test, they, started, they struck. The front of the ship got caught, the Bible says. Got caught in the island. The waves battered the back, smashed the ship to smithereens threw everybody out. They were going to kill all the prisoners because if they escaped, you see, if they escaped, they would be, they would be, the soldiers would be responsible and they would be killed. So they were going to kill them. Paul said, no, we're all here. We're all here. Centurion believed him. They floated ashore and the people, the island that they landed on was Malta and the people there welcomed them. See, you didn't think I could get a picture of the ship, did you? I knew that. So I got that for you. Well, as I was reading this story as a child, and many times since, many times since, like, what an incredible story. It has the adventure, it has all the excitement, it has all the danger, yet putting their trust in God that he would take care of them and that he would help them through this time, to me, as I read that, gave me courage. Are you in a storm? Storms of life come by. I've had some storms in my life. Sometimes when you think you, you can't go on, things happen, crush you. Life storms can overwhelm us. Perhaps you're in one now. We say, well, that's just life. You know, we all have our troubles. But when you're in it, when you're in it, when you're in it, you think it's over. And people try to encourage you. And you know, oh, it'll be all right. When I was in a storm in one of my lives, I, uh, one storm I had a chaplain. She was a chaplain. And, and um, she was asking me, well, how is it going? She knew I was in a storm. And I said, oh, man. And she said, you know, when I'm in a storm, I've been in a tough time in her life, and she had. She said, I, I prayed to God. I said, God, I can't even lift my hand up to you for help. Would you just please reach down and grab me, even though my hand is not up? I said, thank you. I prayed that prayer. Come grab me. Come grab me. So reading in this storm, this terrible storm, and when these people are going to be lost, and Paul, through it all, offers to them, so keep your courage. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as 
he told me. It will happen just as he told me. Well, our security comes in our trust in Jesus Christ. And this passage, as I was taught as a child, from Jesus, recorded in John, that do not let your hearts be troubled. You're in the storm. Do not let your heart be troubled. You're going through something in your life, and maybe you are in it now. Maybe you have been through it and are out on the other side. Maybe one is coming your way. And through all that, Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Why? Because my Father's house has many rooms. Many rooms for you. There is a future for you beyond this storm. And in my Father's house are many places for you to stay, many places for your future, many rooms, and if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to come and prepare a place for you, he asked? Would I have told you that? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back, and I will take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. That's the greatest joy about being a Christian, is to be where Christ is. That's what it's about, being with Jesus, you see. So wherever I'm going, wherever apart I'm going to have, whatever I'm doing, he said, whatever the storm, I will come back and take you out of the storm. And Jesus said to them, you, well, you know where I'm going. You know where I'm going, verse 4. And Thomas Thomas replied, well, I'm sorry, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? It was a sincere question. Sincere question in the storm that was yet to come to them within a short few weeks of Jesus' death. They were in the storm. And he replied to them, I, I tell you. And Jesus answered in just the first part, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am that. That's why you can have rest assurance in me. Growing up, I grew up in the church. And I remember my mother and father teaching me the great hymns of faith. And there's a great hymn in our hymnal that deals with storms. And in this particular area, this particular storm, is will your anchor hold. Are you familiar with that hymnal? It's in our hymnal. But it's a great hymn, and it has great words to it. And said, well, your anchor hold in the storm of life. See this with Paul? Well, your anchor hold in the storm of life. When the clouds unfold, there are wings of strife. When the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor. Remember this chorus? If you've been in the church, you know this. We, we have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock, notice the rock of Christ, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. The last stanza, when our eyes behold in the dawning light, shining gates of pearl are harbor bright, we shall anchor fast in the heavenly shore 
with the storms all past forevermore. God bless. God bless. Yeah. So perhaps, perhaps you're in a storm. COVID certainly is a time of storm, isn't it? And Jesus is our rock. I don't know if you've been out on the West Coast. I am a California boy, and when I went to college and up there near Napa, uh, California, where all the fires are, many times I went down and saw the Golden Gate Bridge. Been across it many times. The Golden Gate Bridge. Now, when they were designing the Golden Gate Bridge, uh, when the engineers were working on it and designing how it would be, they had to take in many different factors about the bridge. And there are three loads that every engineer building a bridge has to consider. And in doing those, he first needs to take what is going to be the weight of the bridge itself. So he has to calculate the weight of that bridge to make sure that the structure he's going to build and the foundation can support the weight of the bridge because you don't want the bridge like it did in Minneapolis falling down. That was not a good day, I remember that. So you have to consider the dead weight. You also have to consider, when you're engineering it, you have to consider the live weight, the live load that's going to go across the bridge. So we're going to have trucks and cars and traffic jams and all this kind of stuff is going across the bridge. So not only the dead weight do I have to consider, I have to make a structure that can take the traffic going back and forth across the bridge. I have to consider that when I'm designing the bridge. I also have one more factor that I absolutely have to consider, and that is the wind load. How much can a wind blow and my, uh, my bridge withstand? So I have to consider that as I'm going and looking at that bridge, I'm going, I'm going to have to consider not only how it looks, but I'm going to have to learn how the bridge will stand up against the storm. And so all the structures that I build, all the structures that I design and put into that bridge have to withstand those three factors, the dead weight, the live weight, and the wind weight or the storm. What's going to be blowing across? What's going to happen to that wind to keep it from falling down? Aren't you glad they do that? I am when I go across the Golden Gate Bridge, although I don't think about that. I, I just I want to be sure it's safe to go across, get to the other side. So it is with us. So it is with us. We have to deal with the dead weight of self, with the baggage we carry. Sometimes that's not a very attractive thing to look at, is it? our self-baggage. We all carry baggage, don't we? We all carry stuff. I was uh, going through uh, elementary school and up into high school, and I was a terrible reader. I didn't like to read. I hated reading. I've been embarrassed trying to learn to read. And so reading was... Not something I want to do. Maybe some of you have struggled with reading. So I didn't like to read. And of course, my grades reflected my lack of reading. It's hard to believe, huh? As I'd take home books and read and had a terrible time, I didn't like to read. Hated reading. Well, I found out that in order to get better grades, you have to read. 
So I would sit and force myself to read, and it was a difficult time. I really didn't start seriously reading my textbooks till my senior year of high school. Amazing, got that far. Well, you just kind of cruise through on smiles, I guess. So, and faking it. And I found out I have a little dyslexia. No wonder I was having difficulty reading. In those days, this was back in the 1800s, they didn't know anything about dyslexia. And also, they didn't know that was happening. So, I've learned that later. Which makes all the difference in the world. So what I'm writing I, and I'm reading, often my mind will skip words or leave words out. Well, I mean, it just doesn't appear. I don't see it. So when I'm writing, I have to go back and say, read it over, read it out loud. Oh, my lands, where's the of that's supposed to be in that sentence? Well, it was there originally. Never showed up. So we all carry, and that's just a minor thing, we all carry with us our own self in our dead weight, don't we? Number two, we have to uh, have our live load of what living is like in the world around us now. Now we wear masks. Now we keep our social distance. Now we scrub our hands. We do all kinds of different things as we're going ahead. So daily living, our daily living lives are different now. And we carry that load and whatever may be happening. And then there's the wind, the wind that comes of emergencies when things happen and something has to be done immediately. And it throws us off kilter. But we need that bracing. Wilbur Nelson wrote, putting our trust in Christ gives us the strengths we need to withstand these various stresses. He thus gives our lives usefulness, stability, and durability. And Wilbur Nelson knew from his own experience about that, about Christ, putting his trust in Christ to get him through the terrible crises of his life. Jesus promised he is with us always, always. No matter the storm that you may be in, whatever is happening with you, remember Christ is with you and he is through that storm with you and he will never leave you. It is the most beautiful promise coming from this experience of the great shipwreck in the scripture. And I hope that story today gives you courage in the storm of life that you may be in. That you may say, Christ is with me. And Christ will be with me. Pray with me, would you? Dear Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this incredible story. It's so full of action and so full of drama. And even though we know the end of the story ahead of time, we've been told that it, it still has the action. And, and when we put ourselves in that story, we... We can relate to how it was for them, but how it is for us in our storms of life. Each one, for each person, can be a tremendous struggle. But Lord, I thank you for Paul's words that you have promised to be with us. You promised to be with us directly, and we live with that promise. All through scriptures, I'm going to be with you. I will be there through your storms. I thank you that we can cling to you as our Savior and Lord. Thank you for these promises. And may we experience them as we go through life storms. May we not forget to turn to you in Jesus' name.